we at uh, First Alliance Church to take that challenge very seriously, to uh, take the gospel message uh, out into not only our community, but also around the world. Part of that, uh, part of the way that we fulfill that is through our short-term missions trips. And uh, we have a whole ministry designed to give people an experience that really they will never forget. That one of those experiences happened uh, early in January. And uh, on January 1st, while you were all waking up to a new year and football bowl games and parades on the television set, five of us, including Sarah Norder, uh, went to uh, Quito, Ecuador for a short-term missions trip that was arranged and developed by the National Office of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It was both a conference and an experience. And the challenge was, to young adults, the challenge was, who will take up the the torch, who will carry the torch of short-term missions in the local church in the next generation? Who will do that? Who's willing to say, I will stand up and promote the importance of short-term missions? So we went and we were challenged and we heard some really great speakers. And while we were there, we had the opportunity to be involved in some different work projects. Uh, Eric Swackhammer and I, Eric's the lead on vocals this morning, he and I had the opportunity to uh, go to a local Alliance church that was doing some construction and remodeling. Uh, it was just uh, above the airport area in Quito. And uh, while we were there, we were able to do some painting and things like that to really help these people uh, develop and uh, spruce up their new church. While we were there as well, we had the opportunity to worship on the weekend, on Sunday, uh, in the city, we went to El Baton Alliance Church in the city, a church of about a thousand people. And uh, while we were there, they didn't know we were coming, so there was no translation. Everything there was in Spanish, as you would anticipate. And none of our group, there were about 13 of us that went to the church that day, none of us really knew Spanish or were, were able to interpret. So we sat in the entire service uh, hearing this this message and this worship completely in Spanish. While we were there that day, it was Communion Sunday, and we had the opportunity to participate with that church in communion. And what struck me on this trip over and again, and especially Sunday at El Baton, was the fact that it doesn't matter if we don't know the language. It doesn't matter if there's a language barrier, because when we are gathered together in the name of Christ, When we are united under His shed blood, we are brothers and sisters. We are all one. And the message is the same. The message of forgiveness. The message of hope and reconciliation. Language is not a barrier. Um, And that was one of the things that, that God spoke to me about on that trip. Sarah, come and share your experience. My name is Sarah Norder and... uh... Before going to Ecuador, I was seeking new things and adventures to fill up my life that I knew were not experiences that you normally get in Erie, Pennsylvania. So I chose to uh, go to Ecuador because of its vast mountain ranges, the volcanoes. It was on the equator, and it gave me an opportunity to go into the Amazon jungle. To experience all that in one week would be quite an adventure. But there was a quote that summed up Quito 08 that reads, from the middle of the earth to the ends of the world. The trip was all that and more. Uh, walking the line on the equator, riding a gondola to the top of a 14,000 foot mountain, and spending a weekend in the jungle. There were so many experiences to talk about, but there were many missionaries that came to Quito to share their experiences and testimonies of how God was working through them and their mission, whether it was in Africa, Spain, Thailand, Colombia, Portland, Oregon, or Turkey. One girl uh, impacted me the most by the testimony of her father, which led to the salvation of her mother, herself, and her two sisters. Her father was a devout Muslim who worked for Ayatollah Khomeini. He trained other Muslims to shoot and perform terroristic attacks on whomever he chose. He would take them into the mountains. He was a devout Muslim, wanted nothing to do with God or Christianity. But over a period of a few months, the father decided that it was unsafe to keep his family in Iran and sent them to Persia. 
where he later smuggled out of Iran and into Persia. And there, he and his family started a business with another man, who eventually took all their money from the business and ran. Well, this left the family with nothing, and sought, and they sought help from a Persian Christian man where they were living near. This Christian man found out information about the man who had taken their money, and he invited them to come to church. And after church, he would tell them who this man was and where he could find him. But each week, over the course of five to six weeks, they would go to church, and this Christian man would reveal some more information to them and eventually let them know that this man was was caught and put in jail for what he'd done. But one night, the father had a dream, and God had revealed himself to him in this dream, saying, you will give up your house and build a new one. The Persian man then told him about Christ and that he could wash away his sins from his old life and give him a new one. The father then received Christ. But later the wife uh, was also adamant about God and, and didn't want to read the Bible or uh, seek him. But the women in the church invited her to a Bible study. And over the course of a few weeks, they ministered to her and the family. And she also had a dream. She had a dream that she and her three girls were walking through a field and she saw Jesus from a distance. And then Jesus said, come to me. And she looked down and she saw that there was a valley in front of her and she could not get to Jesus. And Jesus said, take a step of faith and come to me. So she did and the ground rose up to meet her and she eventually embraced Jesus. And she woke up that morning and she knew what she needed to do. So she went to her husband and she prayed with her husband and received Christ and so did her three daughters. And they're all saved and they're working through a mission agency in Australia to this day. Well, I was able to spend time in the jungle with those three sisters, and I learned that God can work through any circumstance, even the hardest of hearts, to bring about his purposes in one's life. Through prayer and obedience of reaching out, nothing is impossible with God. No matter where you are in this world, God is the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and he will bring it to pass. God will do amazing things to reach us, won't he? Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Que hermosos son sobre los montes, los pies de él que trae buenas nuevas, de él que proclama la paz, de él que anuncia buenas noticias, de él que proclama la salvación, de él que dice Sion, tu Dios reina. Our next scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. And I'm going to ask you to read this together in unison, not in Spanish. Just in English. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Salpando de Troas, navegamos directamente a Samotracia, y el día siguiente a Neapolis. De ahí fuimos a Filipos, que es una colonia romana y la ciudad principal de ese distrito de Macedonia. En esa ciudad nos quedamos varios días. 
El sábado salimos a las afueras de la ciudad y fuimos por la orilla del río, donde esperábamos encontrar un lugar de oración. Nos sentamos y nos pusimos a conversar con las mujeres que se habían reunido. Una de ellas, que se llamaba Lilia, adoraba a Dios. Era de la ciudad de Tietira y vendía telas de púrpura. Mientras escuchaba, el Señor le abrió el corazón para que respondieran al mensaje de Pablo. Cuando fue bautizada con su familia, nos hizo la siguiente invitación. Si ustedes me consideran creyente en el Señor, venga a hospedarse en mi casa y nos persuadió. From the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. I've asked Pastor Mike Murphy to come and to lead us in prayer, and he will do so in the language of Portuguese. Mike was a missionary to the country of Brazil for a number of years, and once again I wanted to impress upon us all that it doesn't matter what language we worship in, as long as our hearts are united together, that is what matters. Our hearts are united together under Christ, And it is in his name that we pray this morning. As we pray, I've asked Mike in the first service as well to remember Cherokee Haluski. She is part of our, our church and part of our staff here at First Alliance. She's on the Dominican trip this past week. And just the other day, she took a fall and hurt her head. She is okay, but she will not be traveling home with the team today. She will be traveling in the next couple of days to return home. So we want to remember her specifically as she travels. Mike, would you lead us in prayer? Let us bow our heads and hearts in prayer. Senhor, é tão bom podermos chamar-te nosso Pai. E chegamos na tua presença nesta hora com corações cheios de gratidão e louvor por tudo que tu és, por tudo que tu fazes e por teu cuidado sobre nós cada dia. Louvamos-te pelo sacrifício do Teu Filho, Jesus, e por tudo que temos através da Sua morte na cruz. Perdão dos nossos pecados, salvação para as nossas almas, força para viver para Ti e uma esperança que vai além do túmulo. Senhor, nós somos um povo necessitado. Há pessoas aqui hoje carregando pesos difíceis a carregarem. Há pessoas desanimadas por circunstâncias difíceis, pessoas com falta de propósito. E nós pedimos, em nome de Jesus, que através do culto hoje, através da Tua Palavra, através dos cânticos, através da mensagem pregada, que Tu supras cada necessidade. Reconhecemos que em Cristo nós somos mais que vencedores e tudo podemos naquele que nos amou. E, Senhor, nós queremos lembrar da nossa irmã Cherokee nesta hora. Pedimos que ela esteja sentindo a Tua presença bem de perto e que logo ela possa estar de volta conosco, são e salvo, sem nenhuma uh, trace daquela, daquele acidente. E, Senhor, também pedimos que Tu uses cada parte deste culto para falar aos nossos corações, que saiamos deste lugar, renovados em nossa fé, determinados a perseverar cada dia e sendo vitoriosos sobre qualquer coisa que o inimigo pode lançar contra nós. 
nós reafirmamos nossa confiança na Tua soberania e oramos em nome de Jesus. Amém. agency that sends uh, numerous people on a number of different trips each year to the Dominican Republic. Uh, in January, uh, Meeting God in Missions had three consecutive weeks of missions trips, and First Alliance, in one way or another, par uh, participated in all three of those weeks. And I've asked uh, uh, Elmer Green and Carol Wurst if they would come and share a little bit about their experience in the Dominican Republic. Carol? Good morning. January 11th, 2003, six years ago, God had a plan unbeknownst to me. In less than four hours, I was at the Cleveland Airport joining MGM team to go to the uh, Dominican Republic. This taught me to put each day in God's hands. He had a hundred pair of used eyeglasses for the Haitians to try on until they found a pair that would enable them to read and work. After that trip, I came back with a burden on my heart for the Dominicans and the Haitians. I knew God had to be in total control. With prayer, his direction, and wisdom, he sent people alongside of me And that's how MGM Optical Ministry was birthed. In the last five years, people back here praying, cleaning, reading, classifying, sorting, and packing used eyeglasses, we have been able to help these people. Also with donations, we have been able to purchase equipment that helps to examine eyes and give people correct prescription eyeglasses. January 2008, MGM optical teams were able to examine and issue 653 eyeglasses and 145 sunglasses during the three weeks we were there. I wish you could see the joy and the smiles on their faces. The Dominicans and the Haitians know from our testimonies that the eyeglasses are a gift from God. I saw God's wonderful miracles at work there. He handpicked and gave each person on the team a special job. All I had to do was to be obedient to him. My heart danced with praises and thanksgiving because God gave us strong prayer warriors that prayed and gave the salvation message to these people. Praise God. That's what it is all about, letting God, Jesus, shine through us every second we are here on earth. I get excited when God puts a person in my path that is searching for a better life. And I can pray and share the love of Jesus with them in the States or in the DR. The two weeks that I was in the Dominican Republic, God and I spent time alone, just him and I. It was wonderful. It was great. He taught me to enter into the kingdom of God by totally surrendering my will, heart, and mind daily. Jesus is the king and ruler of my life. And I am getting all the blessings from the kingdom. I have the Holy Spirit and God's word to guide and feed me spiritual food daily. His banquet table is always available with excellent, delicious spiritual food. I do not need the world or the material things in it. I just need to abide in Jesus and pray that Jesus will be more at home in my heart as I trust and walk in him. What is the greatest event that happened in your life? Just stop and think about that. 
the greatest events that ha- ever happened in my life, forgiveness of my sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. My prayer to Jesus Christ is that I never, never forget what he did on the cross for me. How much he suffered so I could have eternal life with the Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient to your Father and going to the cross. When I walk with Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Father God, from my heart, I thank you. You brought the Dominican and the Haitian brothers and sisters into my life. You made the impossible become possible. You have a plan for us that will glorify your kingdom. Father, I pray that part of your plan is a revival starting here at FAC and reaching across the ocean to the Dominican and Haitian churches. May we see the glory of God. I close with this scripture. I trust in you, God. You are my God. You, my time are in your hands. Psalms 31, 14, and 15. Thank you. Good morning, I'm Elmer Green, and I had the opportunity in January to have an adventure with Meeting God in Missions on a short-term trip to Mayor, Dominican Republic. I went as part of a construction group uh, working with a carpenter team. Uh, we were responsible for building trusses and framework to install a roof on uh, a small church that Jim will tell you later about that it failed, and also to complete uh, a larger new church building in a small town of El Valle. Uh, I was aware of 1 John 3.17 that tells us if we have goods and our brother has a need and we don't have pity on him, that tells God what the condition of our heart is. And I thought I had something to give, but as often in God's economy, You learn when you give that God always gives more in return. And I found that true in my experience with short-term missions. Uh, The church is alive and well in the Dominican Republic. And you, you can't mistake that when you have the opportunity to worship with them and see how how they do worship with joy and abandon. So we can't go and teach them how to worship. I also learned that in being removed from the distractions of television and radio and newspapers, that it's a good opportunity, especially uh, when we have uh, a rigorous program of morning devotions that you can examine and reset the priorities in your life and and, uh, see how I can uh, rearrange my life to be more effective and useful to God. Short-term missions is not everything, but we can fulfill a a material need in a a relatively short time while we're there, things that make their life easier and make uh, it better for them to worship in a a secure building. And also, it it helped me anyway to be more aware of what the uh, challenges that long-term or full-time missionaries face in adapting to a a foreign culture and to overcome language. Uh, But one of the things that surprised me was in returning to America, what a mission field we live within here. Uh, You you, uh, barely uh, reach ground before you're aware of, of the preoccupation with stuff, with things, with uh, postmodern worldview and and uh, materialism that is is uh, rampant here.
So we have a great commission. We have a, a mission field that's not only in Brentwood Hills and Erie and Pennsylvania, but in the Dominican Republic. And as we heard last night in Africa, but I'm encouraged that we have a greater commissioner, one who is greater than he that is in the world. And uh, I learned in a, in a more uh, personal way in this trip in January that uh, something that I've known in my head for a long time, but it got in my heart in a new way, that we have the greatest gift in the person of Jesus Christ who has promised to live in our hearts and work in us and through us if we live in surrender to him. Thank you. When I thought about uh, how to present short-term missions to you and the, the importance of it and our challenge to you to, to be involved in one, if not many, different ways, I thought of my friend Jim McDonald, who could come and share his heart and his passion for short-term missions. Jim used to be on staff here at First Alliance Church as church administrator. Before that, he was the athletic director at Edinburgh University and also the men's basketball coach at Edinburgh. If you know Jim, you know he's kind of calm and cool and collect, not very excitable. Kind of got, that's under the category of humor. Is that how we do that? Um, I asked Jim to come and as the First Alliance team would be gathered here this morning, I asked him to share his basketball heart and to do so as a basketball coach, to share in a way that is a preseason kind of speech where the hope and the future still lays before us and there's much to accomplish. So Jim, would you come and share your heart? Good morning. In the early 90s, I came to First Alliance Church. I never heard anything about missions. And somehow, Rick Crocker and my wife decided that the three of us were going on a mission trip. There was a problem there. I was not interested in going. And um, God has a sense of humor. Uh, we ended up going, uh, eight of us went on a mission trip with a budget of $5,000. And we went to the Dominican Republic to start working on a church. And so it was from that experience uh, that we met a lady down in the Dominican Republic who had had leprosy when she was 20 years old. And they sent her home to die. And... Um, She made a covenant with God that if he would allow her to live, she would serve him the rest of her life. And she claimed that God promised her that he'd bring somebody to build her a church. And she was going to be a preacher. So now we fast forward 51 years later. We show up in this town. And here we go behind a grease pit of a truck garage. And here's this lady who has no fingers and she's blind and has one leg in a wheelchair. And she's preaching uh, to people about 125 sitting in gravel with uh, their white lawn chairs. And there was one interpreter in town, and this is the the power of God. Uh, He happened to be the only interpreter that could speak English, and he was at this Meeting, he went up and told her that there were some Americans here that was listening to her preach. And she asked him to ask us if we were the ones. So she turns around and looks and the interpreter says, we're, you're the ones. And Rick Crocker was there and in his wisdom he says, we are the ones what? <laughs> and... Um, she proceeded to say that are we the ones that built our church? And Rick looked at me and I assured him and her and 
God, that we were not the ones. That we were going home tomorrow and we were definitely not the ones. Well, two months later, we became the ones. And that's the uh, humor or reality of God. And from that point on, um, my life has changed tremendously in that uh, I had this experience with God. I came to this church like a lot of people. And I hope you're not offended by why I'm going, what I'm going to say, because I've said this in many other churches. It's probably the hardest to say with the people where you go to church. And that is, I came here um, needing help, spiritual help. I didn't understand. I didn't have any concept of all about having a relationship with God. I knew Jesus wept in John 3.16. That was the bullets I had in my gun. And so I was a Sunday Christian, like a lot of people are. I dusted my Bible off, came to church looking great, had a lot of people fooled. But the problem was inside I was having all kinds of problems. Now, being the AD at Edinburgh and all this other stuff, you know, everybody thought you had it all together, but I knew who I was and I didn't have it together. And what happened when I'm on this mission trip, God started changing my life. I really didn't understand what was going on. I thought I understood what was going on, but as I look back behind me, I didn't have a clue. We were going down to build a church and I was going to do it. And I, that just in itself made it very clear later on that I did not know what I was doing. But anyhow, uh, I thank God that I came obedient and got some people together and we went down and we started building this lady a church. Now, we fast forward 15 years later and 70 some mission trips later. So here we are today and believe it or not, I've gotten a little smarter. And that's not under humor. But what I have found out was that obedience to God leads to righteousness, and righteousness leads to holiness. And when I taught Sunday school class over in the fireside room, I was pretty scared of using that word holy. Because I knew God was holy, and He's telling me I need to be holy like He is. And I really didn't understand what that meant. Holy means that God separates you from the world, that He can work through you for His glory. And He gets all the credit. And what is amazing, if you look at everybody in the Old Testament, they had one thing in common. Only one thing. Not one person could do what God asked them to do. But when they accomplished what God asked them to do, they realized it was God working through them and He got all the glory and credit. And when we got that principle down, finally, and we started on this mission trip, the whole thing about short-term missions changed. And I realized that short-term mission was not for the Dominicans and the Haitians. It was for the Americans. And so we've, this, this operation was born called Meeting God in Mission, Having an Experience with God. Now, as I was uh, sitting and listening to people today, Carol Worst is a testimony of that. She gets called at 10 o'clock at night. We have a cancellation. She talks her husband into going. And next thing you know, she's in charge of eyeglass ministry. And now there have been thousands of people that have got glasses because of a senior citizen who decided she wanted to go at 10 o'clock at night and got at the airport up in Cleveland after midnight. And then you got a, I haven't checked this out with Rob Hess, but you got a guy, Rob Hess, he goes to Haiti on a mission trip. And God puts it on his heart. To feed the kids. And now you have birthed Hearts for the Hungry, feeding thousands of kids. When we started this journey, we were a construction company, building churches. I thought that was kind of ironic. I don't own a hammer or a saw. And I'll guarantee you one thing. I, I would struggle hitting a nail. I'd make sure my other hand was way far away from that nail. But that's, that's the humor of God. I've never been asked to talk about basketball. Not once. I got it all down. Trust me, I know all about basketball. But I've never had a chance to talk about basketball. It's always about something that I got to get down 
on my knees and almost beg God to help, because if he doesn't help me, I'm going to be a blubbing idiot and a fool. And that's the way God works. And I was just, this, I didn't say any of this in the first service, so this is extra credit. <laughs> and I'm wondering how many people today are sitting in this audience that are Carol Worst and Rob Hesses and Jim McDonald's that never, ever, ever, ever find what God created them for and never are going to be able to bless thousands of people because they're disobedient. You see, we're all called to go. I hear a lot of people say, I don't feel the calling. And I want to say, and I don't say, but I want to say, listen. Do you hear it? Take a look at the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Now, we go and we do a lot of things. We start out a construction company. And we've had people like Carol and Rob, and now we have nine different entities. My nephews were professional baseball players. They go on a mission trip, now we've got professional baseball. And they've only led about five to 6,000 people to the Lord because baseball's God down there. And He's used those people and, and helped their marriage and them and their walk with, with Himself. And they've blessed other people because of their obedience. Remember, the Bible says obedience leads to righteousness, which leads to holiness. It's interesting what it says in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is an interesting book. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And then Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. God did not tell Moses to tell them to obey the, to, to obey the Ten Commandments first. The first thing God told him was, teach them to obey me and then follow the Ten Commandments. Because until we can get in, our, uh, in a position of obedience to God, I question how much we, we can be used. So I'm trying to encourage you to pray about. I don't care where you go on a mission trip. I don't care whether it's Poland, South America, or you go to Haiti, or you go to Dominican, or Russia, or Africa, or wherever. But somewhere in there, there's something that has to do with obedience. And you know, do you, do you really have to go to one of these foreign countries to have this experience with God and to have a relationship with God? Absolutely, you do not. You do not. You do not. But what happens in America is we are too busy for God. We're too busy. Our time is built around when we have to get to work, not morning devotions with God. And I praise God and thank Him. We have probably now over a thousand people that have been on mission trips that are doing morning devotions. Starting today off with God. But we're too busy for God. We fit Him in the schedule when He's convenient. Now, that's under category of extra credit. What I want to talk about now is the mission trips. What does the mission trip look like? Well, for, for meeting God in mission, God has brought a lot of different individuals and players to the table. And we have right now nine different entities that happens on a mission trip. When you go on a mission trip, there'll be probably five to six different things that you can do, which most of them require no skill from you. Remember why you're going. You're going so that you can have an experience with God. Do you build something? Yes. Do they get a blessing from it? Yes. Do you give them eyeglasses? Yes. Do they get a blessing from that? Yes. What's it all? It's about your relationship with God. That's why we run Meeting God a Mission. And, you know, I, I told the first group here that I'm not very humorous, so this is humor so you can get ready. But... uh God, I don't think I'm even going to say that. God calls us to be humble servants. And if you were to define Jesus Christ in two words, it would be that He was a humble servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. And one of the things that happens when you go on a mission trip, you learn very soon that you're going to be a servant. Now, a normal day looks like you have morning devotions and then you have the glorious opportunity to get in the back of a truck and you'll ride out to a sugarcane village 
to spend the day. And in a sugarcane village, you're going to see people that work ten hours a day for two dollars. One out of five starve to death before the four. They eat one meal every two days. Most of them walk five to seven miles one way to get a five-gallon bucket of water every day and back five to seven miles just to get a bucket of water, five gallons of water. They'll work all day, all day, they'll work for you for a five-gallon bucket. They're thrilled, absolutely elated if you give them a hat. They're thrilled. We go out and we have peanut butter picnic sandwiches and water. And they're thrilled to death to have it. And our, our Bible verse for meeting God in mission is 1 John 3.17. If you see a brother in need and you have material possessions, have no pity upon him, how can the love of God be in you? And so meeting God was born with the idea that we wanted to take people from the United States and take them to the Dominican Republic in hopes that God would change their lives like he did Jim McDonald from West Virginia. That was the humor. And God has been faithful. There have been a lot of people that have had their lives changed. And meeting God in mission has been blessed abundantly. I'm going to give you some statistics. And you can listen to statistics, but that's not why I'm giving them to you. I want to give you statistics to show you how God works when you step out in faith and you start becoming obedient. Because when you step out in obedience, the power of the Spirit works in your heart. You initiate God's power in your life. And we had a devotional that... God lives 18 inches under your chin in your heart. Not in your muscle over here, but in the center of your being. And what He wants to do is to bring you into holiness. Set apart where God can use you for what He created you to be. God created us for a relationship with Him. That's the whole ballgame. And when we go down to the Dominican... And we start the morning out with devotions, and the whole day is nothing but walking and blessed with God. But we have, in the normal day, we have one specialty for every trip. It might be building, or baseball, or medical, or, or whatever it may be. And then we have four or five other things that people can do. It requires no talent. Talent's good. We gotta, let me rephrase that. We need ball players. Jesus. Terry Young is not in this, so that's good. But we need block layers. But outside of that, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of talent to take a stick and point to a chart ABC. And so God has birthed all these different things that we can bring people down and take them through a series of events. One of them is morning devotions. One is sugar cane fields. And then he wants to work on their heart. So there'll be somebody different when they go back and they'll affect their church. Now, how has this played out? We started with five, with eight people, $5,000. This year we're going to have over $700, $4 million. How did this all happen? It's all by the divine work of God. They're coming from 13 states that came from Erie County to begin with. And I, I don't get caught up in the figures, but get caught up in seeing how God works. That's the key. Because God is always trying to woo people into His movie. Not your movie, His movie. And going on a mission trip, He's got you. No phones, no TV. And you're down there and we emphasize spending time alone with God. I say this from the bottom of my heart. If you go on a mission trip, it costs $975. If you don't have an experience with God, you got cheated. You got cheated. Because that's what it's all about. And He's after your heart. That's what He wants. Now, I only have just a couple of minutes left. 
I just want to share just a couple ways that God can touch your heart down there besides going to the sugarcane fields. One is in worship. They have such freedom in worship, you can't believe it. We, I thought we're going down there and show them how to worship. But we're going down there and save and turn the whole economy around and do all this stuff. Forget all that. Man, it was us. It was us. It wasn't them. It was us. When we see them worship and they get up and they dance, you go to one church and every time we go, maybe they, they do this every service. I don't know. But they play Onward Christian Soldiers. I, I think I'm down in a revival meeting down there in West Virginia. And everybody gets in line and you're dancing around the church. 70s, 40s. Tens, fifties, the whole, everybody is dancing. Onward Christian soldiers, and they play that thing several times. You go to the next church, and when the power of God comes in worship, they start having a humming and a chant, and they start hopping on one leg. Everybody has something for them that God has brought just basically for that church. Now, I'm going to close with tell you about a church. Because I'd like to give you some food for thought about going on a mission trip. This past year, we went down and I'd heard about an, an old church that had the, the roof caved in and it was going down this direction instead of going up this direction. And believe it or not, it's the size of the parlor. 20 by 30 is the size of the church. So we go out to this church and you start on the blacktop road and then you go on a dirt road and then you go across the river and then you go on a path and then pretty soon you go on and there's, you know, not much out in front of you. And then all of a sudden is this little church. So we, we take people out to this church. And this is what the church looks like. Here comes the pastor. He's riding a horse. He ties his horse up by the tree by the church. Here comes two people in the congregation. They're riding donkeys. There's not a person in the church who owns a car. The rest of them are walking and riding horses. When you get out, it looks like... Uh, Something in the Wild West days. All the horses are tied up, the donkeys are tied up, and everybody else is walking. And so, we bring to the party, twice a week, 60 people. Our trips are now over 100 people. So, we're bringing 60 to the party. So now, in this little place, 20 by 30, we got 90 people. You get to know each other real well. Clapping really becomes a, an interesting event because it's now clapping and slapping all at the same time. And then when you get in bobbing and weaving and dancing, so you're now slapping, clapping, bobbing and weaving. And they have an orchestra. They have an orchestra in this church. There's a, there's a six or five or six year old kid. He's got a tambourine in this one little section. And they have a little pulpit area that's eight feet uh, long and it's four feet wide. And over on the side, got a little guy, and he's hitting the tambourine. And then you have another boy, and he's about 13. And he's playing one of these bongos, but it's a homemade deal. It's not one like this million-dollar one here. It's a two-center over here. They stretch something over a, uh, over a can. And he's beating on that. Then you have another guy that's got part of a drain pipe. And he's hitting it with a guido, they're called. And they got a little pitchfork, and he's, he's whipping on that thing. And then the most important thing of all is a guy that's 80 years old, no teeth. And he's sitting on a box that's two feet by two feet. And he beats it with one hand, and the other hand he has three prongs sticking up, and he keeps pulling on those different prongs and makes a different noise. And that's the orchestra. And they sing for an hour, dancing and praising God, raising their arms, screaming and shouting with the orchestra. Oh, and I forgot to tell you. They don't have any electricity. They got an oil lantern. Just high. That's illumination in the church. Now, if you don't think that's different than this church, you've got, you've got some bad thoughts. And if you don't think that won't touch your heart, it will. And if you don't think you can sense the presence of God there, you will. Because they're hollering and shouting, Amen, every time you turn around. And that's the blessings that you get when you go on a mission trip. Now, I've been asked, and I'm not real fond about this part of all this, in closing, that the finances. Uh, I don't like to talk about finance because God has been faithful. And I was going to tell you a few stories, but I'm not going to tell you that, how He's been faithful. But I'll just tell you one. Just one story. We're leaving here June or um, uh, March 12th, 
And we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to try to build two churches in five days. We've got 120 people. And that's blocks, trusses, tin, benches, pews, whole doors, windows, and everything else. And we need a lot of money. And we didn't have the money. And then on top of it, our truck died. So we had to get a truck. And so we're having a conversation with God. And then one day, a guy that's never been on a mission trip outside of Chicago sends a check, $70,000. And so the churches are paid for, the trucks paid for. That's the faithfulness of God in short-term missions. I could tell you probably 20 or 30 stories like that. Faithful. This is just for the one coming up. So, I want to encourage you, if you would, and God puts it on your heart, to pray for missionaries and pray for meeting God in mission and pray for the other missions teams that go from this church. And if God puts it on your heart to help contribute, we have people in the church that want to go to Poland, want to go to South America, and want to go to the Dominican Republic. They don't have the finances. We have people who go that don't even take finances because they don't need it. But I hope that God will put it on your heart to help those who want to go, that don't have the finances to go, that you would contribute to short-term missions. I'd like to close in prayer. Ben, let me ask you something. I'm late. Do you want me to do the benediction? Okay. This will be a closing prayer and benediction. We're flexible here today. Father, as you look down from heaven, I, I thank you for that you've given us this opportunity today to worship you. I thank you, Lord, for the blessings you bestow upon us. I thank you, Lord, that you call us by name to join you at work wherever it may be in this country or in other countries. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that provides all the power that we need for our daily living. I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bless us as we seek to please you with all of our heart. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives, Father, as we are your obedient children. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.